You grow up and you see that stuff, you see dead bodies and stuff, that stuff don't bother you, you get numb to it. Mm -hmm. So you get to a point like you just want to escape it. Here's Johnny! <laughs> Hi, Brian Lally here, Hollywood native, and you're about to watch another episode of Brian Lally, Hollywood native. I'm sitting here with Scott Williams, my partner in crime, and the reason that I am here. How are you doing today? I am fantastic. How are you? I am fantastic, never better. Who do we have on the show today? Today, Brian, we have a great guest, Rob Tyler. Rob Tyler's a hell of a filmmaker, but it was a long journey getting there. He grew up in a rough part of the South Central, Figueroa in Manchester, back when Exposition Boulevard was called the War Zone. All you heard at night was automatic weapons, but Rob got out playing Division One basketball. His brother Jeffrey got out, joined the Army, and another brother stuck around and wasn't so lucky. He got caught up in gang violence and died. Rob graduated from USC Film School to follow his passion. He worked as a longshoreman during the day and putting his kids through college and becoming a filmmaker. Now he is worldwide award-winning filmmaker. And I was blessed to be in a few of his films, so you're going to hear a hell of a story of survival and achievement. Rob Tyler. Yes. Hello. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Scott's always the one over here moving my mic like this. Now he's standing six feet away telling stories about getting lead. Um, so you fish a lot though? Yeah. Yeah. Grew up fishing. Yeah. Yeah. What area? I fished at Pyru, Pyramid, Castake, Casitas, uh, Skinner. Right. Never fished Elsinore. I want to go there. Fishing out at the ocean. Yeah. There's a little spot of Seal Beach. I always go fish at and catch a lot of uh, little spotted fin croakers. Kind of look like a drum. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You got yeah. the black spot on them. Yeah. Nice. They come in this channel and catch them. But they, they kind of been slow. I caught, I went, uh, was it Friday? A Thursday, I caught one. I said, yeah. okay, they're moving in here, the yellowfin okay. croakers. But they're, they're pretty big. They yeah. do a drop net and get them. But yeah. once they're in there, they're in there. We catch them on uh, lug worms. Not blood, lug, L-U-G-Z. Yeah. Okay. Ghost um, shrimp. Yeah. Right. yeah. Nice. Yeah, I did it so much as a kid that like, it was almost like my family was yeah. like, this is not what you want to do for a living. So you're going to learn the hate yeah, fishing we, out here. Yeah, we grew up doing it, man. My father was doing it. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah. took us. We was little, bro. We was little. Was in a boat and uh, at Casitas, we had these mealworms, mighty millions. We caught the red ear perch. If you miss a fish, my father would be like, Okay, wrap it up. You should have missed that. We got 50 mealworms in here. We should have 50 fish. Yeah, <laughs> you can put the right, fish yeah. back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't throw that Don't throw that worm back in the water. You can still yeah. use that. Yeah, did you buy him somewhere? Or did you actually he like bought went him out? for Rainbow Bait Company. Okay, I got yeah. you. Yeah. He was, man, he was the only person working. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I had a similar thing, but yeah. we would like go Fishing. find like hermit crabs and stuff. Uh -huh. So it was like you only got a limited <laughs> amount of times yeah. to, to get a hit. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know that hermit crabs you were. You were using his bait? Yeah. yeah. Well, no. Maybe not uh, Fiddler. Fiddler oh, okay. crabs. Yeah. What about them Sam crabs? They eat them. Yeah. They eat them. Everything. Oh, man. Yeah. You go to the beach. You, you go to the beach. And, sure. And get them. You have to see those little lines in the yeah, beach. Yeah, yeah. And then you, you just dig up. under. And they're surf like, perch eat them. Huh? Surf, surf perch and corbina eat them. Really? Yeah. Okay. You, that was a spot at Imperial. You can go stand on this little slab and look down and you can watch them. You can watch a corbina, they'll swim in these trenches and they'll come up when the wave come in, you'll see the sand crabs coming up and they'll grab them and go back down. That's how I found that spot. Jesus Christ, yeah. I don't know fuck about this shit, man. 
Oh yeah, you gotta read that water and stuff. The yeah. Wave tide, right. all that. Yeah, yeah I've been but, doing that. So your time. dad taught you young. So your dad was your dad was fishing. So your dad had at one time. You guys were were you in the house yet in South Central when he when he lost his job and and was like yeah yeah yeah, yeah yeah yeah. So you yeah. were in the house, 88th yeah. and Figueroa. Yeah. And so yeah, man. I mean, I just like the story about about people don't don't let themselves get down. Your dad lost his job. He had five kids, and he went down. And he yeah. started fishing. Yeah, we was living on over that Honduras Street over by uh. Was that uh, George Washington Carver High School over by the train tracks in Alameda? Oh, okay. So, he so was you were there. Asking, you that was like fifty bucks a month rent. Jesus Christ! <laughs> they saw you coming. <laughs> and he moved to eighty eight place in Figueroa because uh, was that this woman named Sister Collins who was at church with us went to church. She had the house and she started renting it to him for seventy bucks. So she got stuck. She bought a house in Ladera Heights, so they got stuck with two, and they gave them off for the fight, and they bought that one. Oh, they thought it bought it from the Jewish family who had the kosher no, market? No, okay. no, I think I think Esther Collins probably bought it from them, the oh, Wazinski okay. family. Right. The meat market, and we were right. shooting right there, yeah. Right. They probably bought it from them, but he bought it from Esther Collins. So it was a mixture of stories, but two stories when we did the last white man. It yeah, was a mixture. Of they were renting it first, and then because you know it was like a what was it, like a one bedroom we was in. Right. So we got that. It was a what four bedroom. So right. we all had rooms. I guess they told him after a while you want to buy it. So we wound up buying it. And yeah, he had a cool. note about two hundred bucks a month, right. which wasn't bad. No, no, it wasn't bad. So but, then he was working. Right. Longview Fiber Company was there for 17 years. He went in one day and they laid him off. Right. And then he got up every day, went down got to up fishing. fishing. He, was already, he was already fishing. He fished on the weekends. Right. Mm-hmm. He would fish and uh, we would hunt. Like right around Christmas, Thanksgiving, we'd go hunting in Bakersfield. He's a hunting motherfucker, <laughs> man. He was over there when we were filming The Last White Man, we shot at his family home. His dad would just be watching him hunting shows all day, yeah, all getting good. camouflage, yeah, yeah. getting camouflage so they could kill a wild turkey. <laughs> I'm a hot air and I spray myself with this. Wild turkey walks up like five feet away and they're like, BAM! I got me one! <laughs> You're damn right you got me one. Yeah, he, uh, he used to take us hunting in, what was that, Hanford to Larry up that way? Yeah. Fresno. Yeah. They shot rabbits and pheasants, but we used to walk in these long, Cotton field, my buddy. Sure. Like, None of you guys ever been to cotton field. I said, I've been to cotton field. What have you been to cotton field? Up north. Yeah. yeah, we walk in them. They call it comb the field. We'll walk through them, step over, walk back, step over, walk through. Okay. And uh, pheasant jump up. They shoot up. You have to stay in the line. Don't go in front. Don't lag behind so you won't get shot. Gotcha. And then the rabbits go kick that bush. Rabbit yeah. jump out there, shoot it. So that's, that's what you're eating. Yeah. You know, that was around Thanksgiving. So you either had the Canadian geese or. Or the pheasants to uh, eat for Thanksgiving and Christmas. Yeah, right. I said, we wasn't getting no Christmas present. We got true meaning of Christmas. <laughs> wasn't nothing up under that tree. <laughs> you know? It was like you got a meal, a roof over your head, and you're good. Yeah, yeah, make yeah. you look at things a little bit, uh, you know, realistically. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that was it. So your dad was down there every day, and he met that cat, Mexican cat, was it, that told him about the... Longshoreman? Yeah. That was Buzzy. It was a white guy, oh. Buzzy. White Yeah, guy. he was down there fishing. He was going out at San Pedro, right. 22nd Street Landing in San Pedro. He's going out on the charter post there. Right. He would fish, sell the fish, like, 250 a pound, mm-hmm. pay his house note. Then, of course, we had to pitch in. We had to... We was working, we had to pitch in, pay rent. Yeah. You know, he was 17. Hey, man, start paying rent and get out. 
So he was fishing there, catching a lot of fish, and he would take them and uh, go up to the church. They were at, we were at Christian Missionary Baptist Church. They would go there and sell the fish. This place called the Annex. They would sell fish dinners there. Right. And then he had customers that would buy the fish for him when he'd catch them, and he'd sell them there. Right. And that's right. how he's paying his note and stuff. Right. And, uh, Grinded. Yeah, so Buzzy asked him, what did he do for them? He said, you see me doing it. He said, man, I'm going to get you in as a longshoreman. So that's how he got in there. Okay. Buzzy's a good dude. Uh, he's the only white person that came to my brother's funeral. Oh. You know, so yeah, he was yeah. a real good dude. Real good to it, man. Yeah, so that brings us to growing up in the South Central at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, people have heard rap songs, seen movies, but you were there yeah. in the early 80s mm-hmm. when it was... We played good. football in the street. We played with Free Ricky Ross. Right. We lived right around the corner. Right. And, well, I don't want to say they were... Ricky was always in the sun, but it was, it, was, it was a bad neighborhood. It was bad. You know, so you had to... If you're going to survive it, it was kind of like there was a group of us. We all grew up. It was probably about ten of us. We all had our little ten-speed dirt bike. We'd tie our fishing poles on it and ride down Manchester Boulevard, go to play at El Rey to fish. Mm-hmm. And then that crowd started getting smaller every summer. Guys get older, they start joining gangs or whatever, going to the mall, hanging out. So it'll be what maybe it'll go down to five people ride to the beach, two then one. It was just me riding. Mm-hmm. A lot of them started getting into gangs, and in the 80s, right around 80, right around 82. Well, 82 was when it got. That's when crack hit the streets over yeah. there. Yeah. Well, so yeah. all the killing stopped, and it was like a unity thing, because everybody was selling for Ricky Ross. So yeah. at, the, at that particular time, I was trying to get out of there. That's when I went yeah. to El Camino College. They called it free base until they realized nothing was free about it. Then <laughs> they called it base. Then yeah. they called it pre-rock. Yeah. Then they called yeah. it rock. Oh man, those guys! I used to go to Manchester Park. I had to play basketball to play my way through school. Mm-hmm. My parents didn't have no money, so I didn't play. I went to Birmingham High School. I didn't play basketball there. I played football. I used to go to Manchester Park to work out, and these guys would walk in with bags of money. That's when they had the paper bags, ABC market right on Manchester. Yeah, Hoover. yeah. They yeah. come in with bags of money and dump it on. I ain't never seen this before. Dump it on that little stage in the gym. Dumping on stage, I kind of all bound together. It was like two million. I get my jacket, I said, I'm gone. Yeah. To me and my people, too much money, I'm out. Right. Rick put a lot of money up in the community, and if you wanted to sell, they never force you. If you wanted to do that, then go talk to him. Mm-hmm. But I always went the opposite way. I wouldn't wouldn't deal with him. I had to catch the bus, uh, the El Camino, and then I worked washing pots for like, God, wait, two years? 335 an hour, 15 hours a week, $100 a month. I had to give my father 90 to keep 10. I'm like, man, you taking all my money. He's like, well, get another job. So I started working at LAX Hilton Hotel uh, as a banquet house. I'm setting up for banquet events. Right. And that's how I bought my car, 1974 Maverick. Right. Oh, sure. Bought that. That was my car, man. It was, the grill was all out, but I bought it. And that's what I drove that, left El, uh, El Camino with LA City. Right. The LA City College, that's when they got me film program. Right. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I kept saying, I wanted to do something back there washing pots one day. I kept having majors at El Camino. It would be computer science business. And I would change my major. And one day I was back there watching, you always want to do films. Because we used to go to Lake Casitas. Right. We'd be on the 101 freeway. I wouldn't go to sleep <laughs> until we passed Universal. They had that right. big Frankenstein head up sure. there. Yeah. I, I loved that. And then when I came back, well, I'm jumping ahead of myself. When I came back from Alaska, that's where I went 
and start working at uh, Universal. But at LAC, that's when I started doing film. Right. Awesome. I did, yeah. yeah. Was that staying away from the temptation of that big money? Oh, that money didn't bother me. I don't yeah. love money that much. Yeah, I'm saying, like, was it more of like a fear of your dad? Or was it like you were no, just... No, I just wanted to get out the hood, man. Yeah. God's honest truth, it was like it, 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 I was escaping. Mm-hmm. Right. I said, God's honest truth. It yeah. was like when you grow up and you see that stuff, you see dead bodies and stuff, that stuff don't bother you. You get numb to it. Mm-hmm. So you get to a point like you just want to escape it. Yeah. I just want to go somewhere where I don't want to have to look over my shoulder. There, your head's on a swivel. Oh, yeah. So I, I didn't want to live around that. Mm-hmm. You know. So when I went to college, it was fun. I hated the weekends because I got to go stay in the ghetto for a weekend. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I went back and left. Started going to the movies at Hawthorne Mall. Right. Go go to Multiplex and stay there all day. I'll go work out and play basketball and then go that evening come back at 11. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And then I had Howard Chambliss, his parents, we used to, I used to hang out with them. Then everybody started going to Westwood. So it was always trying to avoid that area. Gotcha. You know, yeah. you stayed out of harm's way. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the money, it didn't excite me because I knew I could always go out and make money. Yeah. But I mean, you seen what these guys were doing. And, and to get it, that's where it it gets you, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, yeah. You just, my brother got caught up in that game. My brother was doing it. Yeah, yeah. You know, we were talking about that when they said they're addicted to the chaos. Yeah, yeah. He was doing it. He was selling, and he got killed. Right. Like a block up the street, and then these guys and they shot him. Sure, scandals. All they were going in his pockets. Yeah. So I remember they came by my parents' house. He went to the hospital, John Doe. I had to go in there identify the guy. It was just so weird when I was in there identifying his body I'm looking at the doctor I'm like man I know you something from somewhere where'd you go to school at he said I went to Washington High School I said no I didn't go to Washington I know you from somewhere he said I went to Howard University I said no I know you from somewhere he said I went to El Camino College that's where I know you so that was just weird that this guy's in there and he told me oh you brought your brother in man he wasn't breathing you know he was dead I tried to survive he was getting no oxygen to his lung I said okay so you know I remember going back to my parents house and you had these guys when these guys came by, they always come up on a bike, you know that. They mm-hmm. ride on the dirt bike. He mm-hmm. came up. I got out the car, you know, uh, and I told the guy, I said, look, get out of here. So you tell your little homeboys, don't come to the funeral. So they, and, and the guy's like, well, okay, I said, what's your name? So my name is Blade. I said, your mama didn't name you Blade. What's your mama name? <laughs> Kevin. I said, okay, Kevin, you go and tell everybody don't come to the funeral. You guys let him die in the street of John Doe, don't come to the funeral. So. They went and told the detectives I was in the mafia. <laughs> so the police came yeah. by. They said, this brother of the mafia. And the guy asked, I'm not in the mafia. I'm like, the guy, you know, I just told him don't come to the funeral. Yeah. And, the, and, the, and, the, and the cops knew. Mm-hmm. He said, where'd you go to school? I said, I came out of SC. He said, okay. So they knew. Uh, and one guy went to, when we was at the funeral, one guy come walking in. He just looked at me. This guy named Tyrone that lived across the street. Who called me about a month ago. He just got out of jail. He came and said, man, I had to go, I had to see him Skoda, man. So he went up there and paid his last respects, and that was it, but nobody else came. Yeah. But yeah, that's what you escape from. You get numb to it. Mm-hmm. So that's, it was, it was just, it wasn't, it wasn't my father. My father used to tell us, if you guys go out and you get in trouble, don't call me, because I'm not putting my house up for bail. Yeah. That's what you get. And be in here at 12. Yeah. This door is locking at 12. You ain't in here at 12, don't come home. Come home the next morning. Yeah. Don't break my rest. So, you know, that's, that's how it was. Straight you don't up. understand it, yeah. then, but as you get older, you, you start understanding it, man. Yeah. It, you know, and it makes a lot of sense. So when I went to L.A. City, that's when I started doing film. Started out with Super 8, 8mm. Eight mm-hmm. And uh, start working with that. And we had uh, 
You know, yeah, let me just ask you about this. Finish this up. Your brother Jeffrey, did he go to the Air Force right after? Army. Oh, the Army? Yeah. Right after school? Mm-hmm. Right after high school? Right after high school. So both you guys got out. Yeah. And your brother Andre didn't, mm-hmm. obviously. And what about your sisters? You got two sisters. They get caught up in anything? or Sadie didn't. The youngest one didn't. But Lisa pretty much did. Yeah. You know, Sadie moved. As soon as she got out of school, she graduated from Washington. She went to San Diego. Right. San Diego State, and she wouldn't come back down there. She's still living in San Diego from right. this day forward. So, you know, it's pretty amazing that out of five kids, mm-hmm. you know, one got caught up. That's pretty, because you know, I was down there at that time, mm-hmm. in 81, 82, mm-hmm. 83. Yeah, and it was a chaos, like you talked about. It was a violent fucking he, place. He, they he, called Exposition Boulevard a war zone back yeah, then. It was. It was a war zone. I remember uh, my brother-in-law, he was saying, you didn't grow up in a war zone. I said, man, we had to go swim. We couldn't go to Manchester Park. We had to go to uh, Expedition Park and swim in the Olympic pool. Right. Catch a dollar bus that's out of harm's way. And he was saying, like, over by Manual Arts, it was bad. I said, oh, that's a safe haven. I'm not mess with you over there. We was in, it was every gang in the world. Where you know, was that? You know what's sad about the Olympic Swim Stadium? What's sad about Los Angeles? That in, when I was young, my dad used to drive me down there because our neighbor was a lifeguard at the mm-hmm. Olympic Swim Stadium. Mm-hmm. This is pre-Watts riots. Mm-hmm. So we used to go down there. We used to go downtown. We used to go South Central to eat sometimes, mm-hmm. over on Central. Mm-hmm. you know. And then when the riots hit, that stopped. Yeah. The city was divided. Yeah. And the Watts riots needed to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, it was fucked up. Mm-hmm. But we used to go down there, and then that, that just stopped. You know, mm-hmm. the Olympic Stadium. We couldn't go down there no more. Mm-hmm. I met all sorts of black kids, and I was like, trying to get them on the phone. Uh-huh. You know, I'm a little child. Mm-hmm. I'm calling the operator. Yeah, do you know where Andre is? You know, you know, where, 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 where you know? And, and but the uh, Olympic Swim Stadium, was, mm-hmm. it was cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everything changed. Right, right. Uh, what? Actually, actually, uh, actually, after the Rodney King riots, because that went on on Figueroa and uh, Normandy. Yeah, Normandy, yeah. Normandy, and Florence. Florence, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. And um, when that went down, everything changed. That, that was Vermont is still buildings still burnt up from yeah. that Broadway. Yeah, Broadway had all the shops. That's where you used to go. So that's still burnt down. It's still just yeah. it's just vacant lots. It's right. Still, so uh, I think they're probably getting the dirt cheap now, like the, kind of like they did in New York. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you in know. the Bronx. When they, yeah, yeah. There's they a cat one in there. there. I read about in the South Bronx, uh, used to be called uh, Fort Apache. Mm-hmm. There were so many guns. That's the neighborhood my mother grew up mm-hmm. in. She was 137th in Brook Avenue. Mm-hmm. And now they're called the Piano District. Oh, yeah. So when I lived in New York in 2014, there was some cat went in there with $150 million, uh-huh. and he bought all them vacant lands, you know what I mean? He mm-hmm. didn't have to do nothing. I mean, you know, had to repipe and, and get the uh-huh. plumbing, but he didn't have to tear nothing down because yeah. it all been burnt down in yeah. the 70s and stuff, yeah. and they were just there. And he just started building nice apartments because, yeah. you know, it's just on the other side of the river from Manhattan. It had to come over there sometime, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I don't know about today, but I know I know they were really reasonable price back then. They're probably yeah. not anymore, but it was like, hey, come over to the Bronx, you get yourself a one bedroom for, you know, twelve, fifteen hundred dollars, which yeah. was unheard of, yeah. you know, in Manhattan. But anyway, so you went to Alaska after that. Got to L.A. City. Yeah, I got a scholarship. You and some of your your friends. I went to El Camino, tried out for basketball. Coach Landro was the coach. He cut me. Three times. Every time a man cut me, I'd go out and run five miles on track, run the football stadium. 
go back in. First time he should have cut me. Second time I'm like kind of iffy. So he had like he'll cut me. I'll go to spring trials, play all the way, work out all the way up to that time, go in there. He cut me. So I went to went and ran the stadium. And that third time I gave me gave myself third, three strikes. So the third time he cut me, I didn't think he should cut me. So I said okay. And then that's when I went to when I went to L.A. City. I was in there enrolling in class. This guy walked up. How tall are you? I said six six. You hit, he said uh, you want to play basketball? I said that's what I'm here for, and do films. And he was like, hey, give me a number. Gave him a number, and he had a uh, said Coach Curry's the coach, and he had him call me. And I remember I said this guy's not gonna call. I'm laying at home at home laying on the couch and the phone rang, and it was Coach Coach Curry KC, and he said. Uh, are you a legitimate 6'6"? Six, six? I said, yeah. He said, uh, you know Larry Steptoe? Yeah, I know Larry. You taller than him? Well, you taller than Larry. He said, okay, you might be a legitimate 6'6". Six, six. So he told me when the trial was uh, <laughs> happened, he said, go and run. So when the trials went in, they just do. They put us on the track and made us run. I was lapping all these guys. So all that fell in effect. But I went to L.A. City because they played against El Camino. Oh, yeah. That's, it was oh. a metropolitan league. I said, okay, let me make this team. I made the team. I went over to Coach Landry. was sitting there. I said, you ain't got no one on that bench that can stop me. Man, Brian. You know what I love doing? Yeah. I love tapping that subscribe button. Mmm. I love it too, son. And just like all your dates, I tap it last. But nothing's as good as tapping this button. You see Brian here? He's not always doing the best. Financially, mentally, physically, for sure. You want to help keep Brian off the streets of Hollywood? There's a way you can help. Join us on Patreon. You want to tell him what we got on there, buddy? Yes, we have the general admission, we have the backstage, and we have the VIP all-access pass. So please, join today. I'm due for a bath. In the arms of the angel, I And I was just pumped up from that. Yeah. And he was standing there looking at me and said, she'd have never cut me. And we played against him. And I went back that spring to go play. Because all the ball players go in one area we go play. And he told him, get him out, tell him to get out of my gym. I quote, he said, tell a nigga to get out of my gym. Coach Landro was black. He said, tell a nigga to get out of my gym. Yeah. I said, I leave. So Ron, like, man, why you going off on him? You got a scholarship. You did one year and got a scholarship. I said, man, because he cut me. He shouldn't have cut me. You know. Guys, actually, my motivation, and then I wind up going to Alaska. Right. And they told me they had film, and I went there. There they had radio and television. So I was doing radio and television. You and a handful of other inner city brothers out there. It was only 12 in the whole university. Five right. was on the basketball team. <laughs> we, we still tight from this day forward. Yeah. But it was cool. I loved Alaska. It was fun. Yeah. That's first thing I did. I went out there and said, man, take me fishing. They took us to the river. Hey, and Rocco, nice. my roommate at the time, he said, you can't fish. Man, I can fish. And we were catching grayling. Okay. You see the salmon floating up, dying and stuff. And yeah. it was catching grayling. But the funny thing... Uh, you just some dumb kids out of out of the hood, man. We're flying over. We we landed Seattle, Washington. All I heard was Washington. This is how much I paid attention in class. 
So we're flying over, and I'm asking my buddy, do you see the White House? <laughs> you see the White House? I just see a bunch of trees. And I'm asking, do you see there's two Washington? <laughs> I was looking for the White House, man. I was looking at trees, dude. I'm like, oh, we ain't never been nowhere. That was my first time on a plane. I got on a plane with a suit and tie, and they were like, this your first time flying? Yeah. You supposed to wear a suit and tie? Yeah. No, I'm looking at my buddy out on a sweatshirt. So yeah. it's my second time. You can wear sweatshirts and pants and stuff. I didn't know, you know. So I'm going away to meet these people. And then we got there and it was all these people there to meet you at the airport. And that's when I start forgetting names. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they take you in. The first place they take you to the gym to show you the gym. But I didn't go visit school. I said, I want to get out of L.A. the right. further the better. And then, well, then it, was, it, was, it was nice. But I mean, I don't think those guys was racist. I think they were in a time warp. But I remember Coach Lee said, "Catch the ball. What's wrong? You if you run and catch a pass and go to the end, catch the ball. What's wrong? You got an Afro machine on your hands and said all this stuff." I'm like, I was talking about, man, if he would have said that today, they would have had him in court. Right. I wouldn't have said nothing. I was right. just laughing. I thought right. it was funny. Right. <laughs> and Rocco was half white, half black. So we heard jokes. Went downtown to do these photo shots. And they were saying, they, we got on the van, they said, Black's in the back, Rocco, you get in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it was, it was just the teammates, they cracking jokes and stuff. But, you know, all of us like a family. Yeah. yeah. Forward, it was but, a different time. People yeah. Joke. Yeah. It, it wasn't like. And the people who the jokes were about <laughs> didn't get mad. No. Like now, no. outside people get mad. No, you should have said it that. It was classical. We would talk about that stuff now. I laugh. I said, hey, man, that was classic, though. Yeah. You sit in the middle. I said, that, that was classic. So it was it's John Skidmore. More the guy that said it, but what, I mean, it was funny. What yeah. about your buddy had the fight with the street sign? Oh, we were coming out the dorms, and he got drunk. He was down there just pulling those street signs. And so, mm-hmm. I hate this place. He's just pulling them, <laughs> legging them over to you. Lay down at six six. I mean, Rocco was big then. He's just pulling them over. He's laying in the snow. And I'm like, what are you doing? He's just laying there pulling the signs over. Signs are leaning over in the snow in Alaska. I'm like, oh my god. I mean. It, it it was fun. It was it was different. And mm-hmm. I stayed there a semester Once because they were messing with our money, and I'm like, I'm out. I'm, I left and went to Oregon, Concordia University. Stayed there for four days. The guy gave me a car. I got Nike stuff, and I'm like, Coach, this ain't working. You got well, we gave you a car. You can go to Portland State to take the films. You can go up there take the classes. We'll pay for something out. This ain't working. Mm-hmm. Portland was uh cloudy all the time just mm-hmm. you come out the hood man and everything's slow you know what you know what i mean you think something's Portland gonna State, happen that wasn't hersey hawkins who was it that we was at concordia yeah University. who led the country in scoring from, from uh that was State. uh he just died what was his okay. name we were just talking about him the other day he he went to manuard went to portland state the lakers wouldn't pick him up he had an attitude right uh what's his name Strange name, wasn't Hersey Hawkins? Yeah, he, he can score. I played on a team with him. Pick yeah. up ball. He don't pass the ball. Yeah. I do to get 30, 40 points. The last game they were playing against him, and they won. They won that money. Now, Marcus Johnson, what was that guy's name? And they said he still lived with his mother. They had to go pick him up. Mm-hmm. Oh, what was his name? No, he was only famous like us because he really they just got him to get in the field. Freeman Williams. Freeman Williams, there you go. Freeman Williams, that's him. Right there. There you go. Oh, dude, he did just die. Yeah, he just died. He died on James Franco's birthday, April 19th. He just died. I know, can I show you? 
Huh? Fidel Castro. <laughs> he would not pass that ball. Yeah. Yeah. I saw, oh shit, what's his name? Hank Gathers and the other cat. Bo Kimball. Bo Kimball down at Irvine when the Summer League was down there. Uh-huh. He had 69 points in a Summer League game. Uh-huh. He was trying to break 70 and Pooh Richardson would not pass him the ball. Would not. <laughs> yeah. He was yeah, like, do that. he was just like, uh-uh. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I got 69, let me get the yeah, ball. Yeah, do that. He's wide open. Yeah. Pooh's like. I ain't giving you the ball. Yeah. Fucking jealous That's what Freeman Williams do. You play that dude, look at him, will not pass the ball. He can shoot. Yeah. And I remember, we it was at that fast break action league in Cerritos we played in. This guy, it was a guy named Guy. That was his name, Guy Woods. He said, uh, yeah, I got to pick him up. So where he live at? He live with his mother. I'm like, huh? Yeah, he live with his mother by, over there by Manual Arts. And they said he was a head case. The Lakers picked him up for a minute. He was a head case. Yeah. Him and for some reason they didn't take Raymond Washington either. Remember him? You talk about Raymond Washington played at Cal LA. You talk about Raymond Lewis. Raymond Lewis, there you go. I was just gonna ask you yeah. if you knew Raymond Lewis. Yeah. The greatest street ball yeah. player ever to come you out see, of Los Angeles. You see that interview where they went and talked to him and he was like kinda like homeless. He uh, went on the court and just hitting three pointers. <clears throat> The LA Times did like I remember games. NBA Pro Summer League every year. He tore it up. He tore it up. But see, those guys, they play 24 7. Mm-hmm. That's the problem with my college roommate. He told me a couple of weeks ago, man, I went to play pickup ball. Bro, you 55 years old with a pacemaker. Yeah. What you playing pickup ball for? A lot of them are just stuck. But it's part of his soul, man. I wish I nah, could. No, you got to leave it alone. I left it. And see, that's why me and him had a problem talking because he, about August of 2020, he said, man, you got any regrets? Regrets for what? You stopped playing basketball? No. I no regrets for that, you know, no. You know, I looked at it like, I'm not going pro. Uh, I can go, but I don't want to do it. I don't want to practice that much. You're practicing every day. It's, it's spring, uh, summer league, conditioning practice, preseason, season, right. spring. You're just playing. Playing, playing, playing. Let me tell you, man, when I'm upset, nothing brings me more peace than hitting four shots in a row on a basketball court. Yeah, well, I mean. I can't play. It's a tool. You use it. Right. You know what I mean? It's a tool. Use it till you get where you got to get. And then leave it alone. That's where these guys, they put all their marbles in one basket with that football on down. You see what I'm saying? Then you come out, you just somebody played sports. And, and the reason why, when I used to go to Manchester Park, you see these guys walk in, 6'10", 6'11". Man, who was that? Oh, that's so-and-so. So. What's the guy named that went to uh, SC and it was sad he wound up getting shot? They would come there and it was one guy said, what are they doing now? They go pro, what you see them doing? They doing what you see them doing? They, nah, man, they went there, they didn't get the education. They came back, they used to say they're on the corner selling number two pencils. That's what they would say. And I forget the guy's name, uh, Purvis Miller. Oh, okay. Nervous Purvis? Purvis Miller was at SC. Not the Purvis that went to North Carolina. He right. was at SC. Right, this was, yeah. Went there, he played. Was the he was in the league. He beat his girlfriend up at the time. Didn't make it, got frustrated. Moved to Louisiana, I believe. They said he, they told him he was down there playing on the CBA team. He wound up getting uh, killed. Somebody yeah. shot him. Yeah. Killed him. But they're just, they're stuck. And that's, that's how my buddy is. They're stuck. You're conditioned, man. You're taught, if I go out and play, I'm, I'm, I'm going to listen to you breathe. You're taught all this stuff. I'm watching your movement, all that. I mean, I don't want to be in that frame of mind. You walk on that court, that's what they teach you. You go on the zone. Yeah. You shut down, you're looking at it. They played on an AAU team, was it, Dwight Howard? Yeah. That Dwight yeah. Howard owned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I played up till 
like I was saying, it's ballsy for you to go to Alaska without ever having visited because mm-hmm. I went to visit some D2 spot mm-hmm. schools like mm-hmm. in North Carolina uh-huh. and those were out in the middle of nowhere to yeah. where I was like, because yeah. I, I had the option to walk on football mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. UCF, like actual uh-huh. bigger college and uh-huh. I, my parents took me up to those small schools and I was like, I think I'm going to go play football because yeah. these schools have like, this one had like just a train going through it yeah. and this tiny little yeah. like Fairbanks. four hours, five hours from the nearest city. Fairbanks was seven miles from the nearest. It was cool. But everybody came to the campus. I didn't party. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people came to the campus to party. Mm-hmm. In fact, on, on on Friday nights and Saturdays, I would go out the back door. They had like one road. I'd go up this road, come all the way back around, go in, everybody be passed out. I didn't know what Everclear was. They were drinking Everclear and everything else. Yeah. And then I'd just go back and study because the whole floors was just marijuana smoke everything I'm like I'm out so I just had to have to get away from stuff like that yeah. you know only thing the teach you you come out there you let nobody punk you yeah. you know you stand your ground you know that was it you can't run yeah. but I mean you, you, you see so much stuff in there your buddies either they're getting killed or they're getting locked up mm-hmm. when you when you when you're there so that's what that's what you're escaping yeah. And then I think a problem with, like, when I write, I put a lot of realism in there. I, I don't really deal with just phony stuff. It's like, that. that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. This will happen. Ain't no, ain't no happy-go-lucky endings. Yeah. You know, like with the last white man, you know, the chaos and stuff, you wind up leaving, your character left, but the house is given to the girl that needs it. Right. You know, I mean, that would happen. Yeah. He's not going to stay there. You know how I many people, I stood in the parking lot when I was at work, the scene FM, I talked for like an hour to two hours to him about that film. Right. And I was like laughing. I said, well, the old man was saying stuff you wanted to say, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, that's why I did it that way. He wasn't a racist. No, he wasn't a racist. He, he was just a victim of circumstance. He caught up in there. The, the community changed around him. He tried to get out. He didn't want to get out. He had too many memories. So he wasn't a racist. So what would you say to anybody if they're robbing you every day? And that pretty much happened to me when I was going to Red Hawk. I got robbed every day. 50 cents, you better pay 50 cents tomorrow, I'm hit you in your jaw. And these were my brother's friends. And I remember, I go in the bathroom for a uh, uh, third period PE, go in the bathroom, Maurice and uh, Chauncey. Give me 50 cents. It was a little and a big one. And a little one be trying to punk you. And if you do anything to the little one, the big one don't hit you. They taking 50 cents from me every day. You better pay me 50 cents tomorrow. So I remember the last day of school, I was leaving. So I'm going down 92nd and Hoover. Something like, look behind you. I look behind you. I see these clowns running. Coming toward it. I took off running. You start running. I'm running down Hoover. I go through Manchester Park. I'm breathing so hard. You ever ran when you breathe like, <gasps> I'm running. I said, I ain't going to make it across this field. I got to go across the field, go 88 place, cross figure. I ain't going to make it. And these clowns was closing. Got I started looking around. There was a man sitting on a bench. I didn't even know. I said, hey, sir, can you help me? These guys are trying to mess with me. He's a complete stranger, man. I think it was an angel. He said, who? This guy's right there. He said, hey, man, why are you trying to mess with my nephew? He stopped in the middle of the field, kind of started scratching his head. He said, man, just stay here. They ain't going to do that. And he wound up, I went to his house. Ate. The guy gave me a ride home. I don't know who that man was. Yeah. I'm like, man, I ain't going over there. He gave me a ride home. Had a Mustang. Gave me a ride home. And I'm like, He's like, man, I ain't gonna mess with you. I was like, I ain't going back to school. Then I got bust in the valley, went to Sequoia Junior High School, then went to Reseda and then went to Birmingham. I said, like, I wasn't going to Fremont, I wasn't going to Locke. 
because they don't even have football. You know, they football games during the daytime. Right. And you go in the valley, it's at night. So the only thing, the problem with, with the uh, in the valley, we had the late bus, but the late bus would bring you home if you stand for a football game, you going home at 12 on Friday nights. Right. <laughs> My buddy's mother used to pick us up, otherwise you walking through the war zone. And that's yeah. where everything started jumping off. Yeah. So that was the crazy thing about it. But we always had somebody to take us home. Yeah. And my bus stop was 95th and butt long. <laughs> <laughs> At night where they dropped us off. It's not butt long, it's butt long. Butt long. <laughs> when I was in the ninth grade, it was because, 92nd and Figueroa. Because the name Baldwin Hills, it's Baldwin Hills. Baldwin Hills. <laughs> Baldwin Hills was, was really never was, was bad. No, no. Baldwin that was like, Hills. Unless that was you're like in the, the foothills where they Hills. built all those uh, yeah. apartments. and they got Black the, Beverly Hills. They got the gardens down there. They got like a yeah. nice looking projects down yeah. there, the gardens. Yeah, yeah so, that, was, that, was, that, was, that was Black Beverly Hills. Yeah. Never was bad over there. No. You know, I think it You remember when they all used now. to ride motorcycles there in, in the oil fields? Yeah. All the brothers would be on the motocross yeah. bicycles? Devil's Dips was behind Southwest College. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that. No. Yeah, they had that. dirt trails there where they rode their bikes and oh, stuff. They called it Devil's Dip. Just and that Stuff hills. jumped off over there, too. And the oil fields, it was crazy, man. There was a guy named Dave Graham. He lived on Wilton in Venice. Mm -hmm. And I used to take him out to the motocross out in Indian Dunes. Mm -hmm. And he'd be the only black dude there, and he would tear it up. Mm -hmm. Every time. Mm -hmm. He never came in second. Mm -hmm. People were just looking at his ass going down there. He was unbelievable, man. He got all fucked up on something, drugs or something, man. But he uh, he tripped out, but he, he broke his leg twice. But he had no fear, man. He was mm -hmm. unfucking believable on that track. You only the fear only goes, bro. It goes after a while when you, when you, you, you grow up around that stuff. That fear goes. Yeah. You can smell fear on people. Yeah. It's just like, okay, what I got to lose? Let me, let me just go and do this. What about when that dude was beating that white dude up? When we was in Culver City? Yeah, when he was on the ground. <coughs> yeah, that was Culver City. Me and Mark Booker was walking. And this guy, we just walked up. This is how numb we are. You walk up, brother on top of his white boy beating him up. We like, damn, we're having a conversation. What did you beat him up for? It wasn't a racial thing. <laughs> He said, he know what he did, move your hand. He said, something. move your hand, he said, do help me guys, help me. And we're like, well, what the fuck did you do? What did you do? And the guy's like, hit me, move, you, where you come from? You don't get involved with that. Mm -hmm. Hey man, it's one-on-one. -on -one. He can't handle it. Okay, now if he start beating me, hey, okay man, come on, get up off. Yeah. So we went to the store and came back, he was still beating me. It's like, damn man, you still? You know, but we never found out what happened, but he was on top of the guy. I mean, you just you didn't let that get in your business. Yeah. You don't get in nobody's business when they're doing that. Mm -hmm. That's how numb you become. That's yeah. right. If it's your friend or something, you can go up and say, and hey, we walk out and now somebody jump, hey man, you, you good? Mm -hmm. You say, nah. All right, hey man, you break it up. Hey man, come on man, get up out of here. Yeah. But if like, I'm good, okay, go ahead. Yeah. So you watch and make sure nobody else jump in. These guys now, they, they pack rack people. Yeah. yeah. I remember I was walking with my friend I first got the waterfront, and these youngsters came up, and they blocked the sidewalk. You know how they do that. If you if you cross the street, they're gonna punk you. So you gotta keep walking. So I took the one and just picked him up and sent him to the side. <laughs> and I said, man, come on, dude, get out of that shit. And we kept walking. They was like, okay. They said, damn, OG picked you up, put you to the side. Why you don't walk and bump into me? Mm -hmm. He bumped their shoulders or something. That's why they start something. I remember little youngsters picking him up, 
set them to the side. Yeah. It's stuff like that. The youngsters don't really respect the older people. Mm-hmm. So it's stuff like that, man. Yeah. I remember Especially dropping my now. daughter off. She went into a store, and these cats was hanging out. You hood. You sitting. I'm sitting in the car watching. I said, okay, I'm waiting for her to go in there. When she went in, I said, they say anything to her. They can speak. If she ignore them, and they'll call her a bitch, I'm, I'm, out, I'm out with this car. You've been watching Brian Lally, Hollywood native. Now I want to talk to you about something I'm really passionate about, and that's teaching acting. So I co-founded Lola's Acting School with my son, Kyle Lally, Lally or Lally Acting School. I've been acting for a, a long time now, of 100 plus credits on IMDb, hundreds of plays I've been involved with over the years. And I just want to share that experience with you. What we do differently here at Lola's is we give you practical advice that you can use on a movie set, on a play, an audition, anywhere. We give you the foundation to build yourself as a great actor. If you come to us, you don't know anything. We can teach you everything you need to know to be comfortable on a, on a set and to excel. Don't just listen to me. Look at what our students are doing. Daryl Wesley, who is writing on two hit shows, The Game and The Upshaws, and Ben Barrett, who is a series regular on The Politician, Megan Davis who is uh, playing Amber Heard in the Johnny Depp Amber Heard story. Come check us out. We're at the Historic Arc Theater in the NoHo Arts District. You ever want to try plant-based eating? I have. What, you're a little confused, overwhelmed, you don't know how to get started? Definitely. Well, there's a simple answer to that. Go to Debbie Chu's Chew on Vegan YouTube channel. Debbie Chu is a plant-based RN. I've known Debbie for over 38 years, and she's very good at what she does. You go to the channel, and there's 300, over 300, recipes. They're simple, easy to make, and they're delicious. If you want to try it, you just might get healthy. Give it a shot. Chew on vegan. Yeah, I was sitting there just watching. They didn't say nothing. They didn't speak, and they didn't say anything. I was like, okay, I would have been on them. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, man, that's my daughter. Who are you talking to like that? You know, mm-hmm. it's stuff like that. It motivates you. Yeah. So when did you start making your first film? I made my first film. The first feature? Well, no, the first short. When the first, first short started. was at L.A. City. It was called The Feeding Animals. You know, we got the chickens and the pigeons in the backyard. Right, right, right. right. So I had, my mother was a foster parent. She had a couple of foster kids. I showed them, videotaped them, well, filmed it with eight millimeter, them feeding those birds, feeding the birds and chickens. Right. That was it. Right. And then the second one I did was, uh, it was life is what you're looking for. I took a bunch of stills and shot it, mm-hmm. and had the Weird Science album from the movie Weird Science. Took a song off there and put on there and used it. And I just shot these shots. I, I was getting a kick out of doing stuff like that because you had the audience attention. Because what they'll do, you'll shoot it and they'll all sit there and watch it. Right. And they'll write their comments and stuff. But you have to go up in the end and, and they would ask you questions. What do you mean by this? What do you mean by that? That's where you start saying, oh, okay, this, this, this makes a lot of sense here. Right. I can make it say what I want it to say. Right. And it was like, what'd you get? Really, it was just pictures that I found interesting. I shot them, made a collage of them, and shot them and put music to it. And so, oh, that looks pretty good. Look like it's saying something. Right. But, but I was looking for a rhythm mm-hmm. in those pictures. Yeah. You know, it's a rhythm. It's just like when you edit or you write, it's right. a rhythm. You can shoot a film, and when you start cutting and editing, it takes its own form. Yeah. It's just where it's going when you're cutting it. Mm-hmm. So now it's like when I write, I try to get that rhythm in a dialogue. Right. In the dialogue, I'll sit there and write for, I'll rewrite a scene 15, 20 times. Sure. 
just to make sure it sounds natural and it's flowing. I'm working on a scene this morning when I got up. Now, right early in the morning when my mind is fresh, ain't nothing on it. But it was it was that, and then that, that particular professor, I did one film, which I still have it. I, I did a short. I was going to do it. He talked me out of not doing it. It was just basically a story where this guy, you see this report where there was a, a serial killer out in this neighborhood, and this lady's walking down the street, and this guy's following her. And you see all these different shots of you following her, and, and in the end, he goes up to her and says, your shoe's untied. Right. The guy says, this guy can put tension on paper, but you can't do that shot, and you can't do this shot. I knew I could get the shot. You work with me. Right. I knew I could get the shot. So what they did, they start telling you to do the full shot, the medium close-up, and then the close-up. Right. I did it when I did Christianity. That was the first feature. Right. And we went to cut that film. We cut it and put it together, and I threw the film in the trash. Because right. I'm like, that ain't what I wanted, you know. And raise money. Then you got to face these people that you raise money with. And they're like, man, that's okay. We know what you're trying to do. But you start looking at that tension. Right. And you can't, you can't listen to what everybody's, like what your project will say, hey, man, make a feature out of it. Mm-hmm. When people start saying, do this and do it that way, blah, 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 blah. When it, when it comes to your creativity, I never told him what to do on the set. Did I ever tell you what to do? No. Huh. No. I can look at him. Give it to him one more time. You seen getting into it. You can say cut and probably be like, hey, uh, can you, uh, can I do it one more time? You already know. And you see him competing with, uh, him and Greg was going, going back and forth with each other. So you already know, you pretty much see it. Yeah. So it was like when he was saying, when that professor said that, I abandoned that. And then when I shot Christianity and went, we went to Tinseltown, I did it all over again mm-hmm. and started going to the style I knew. Mm-hmm. I even did a short because I like putting the camera in your face, making this stuff move. Because yeah. you, you, you're gonna put the audience in there. Mm-hmm. You got, you got to control their thinking. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So you want to put them in there. Yeah, you know. And then like, they were easy. Some of these are actors just easy to cut. Mm-hmm. You can cut with him, he's easy. You get, you'll, you'll cut something with Brian. You'll be like, man, I got four different ones I want to use. Yeah, I know. So you'll take this part, put this over here, and try. Yeah, so it it, it it happens like that. Yeah, that was all in Super Eight. I got a Super Eight projector. I still have all that stuff. Film school wise, your experience at LA City College was like what really got you your wheels turning on. I think it was it was LA City. Did you go in there thinking like I know I want to be a filmmaker, or was it more out of like? I know I'm interested in this. No, I knew I wanted to be a filmmaker. Yeah. But it's just you learning, you going in the equipment room, you getting the equipment, <laughs> you getting your lights. Mm-hmm. I thought it was just p- pretty cool to put a hood on the camera, the hood lens. I found out it made it darker because I didn't have enough light coming in the lens. So yeah. you see stuff like that. But no, nah, that was it. And then when I went to UAF, Universal Alaska Fairbanks, that's when you start. You know, you still got that rush from shooting that, and they got radio and television. You're like, okay, well, I'll try this. And we were, we were on a rock, Rockwood shot a show, and they had the three cameras set up, television state, uh, the, uh, theater. So you kind of like, okay, this is cool, but I'd rather do film. Mm-hmm. And then when I went to San Bernardino, because they San Bernardino, they had the same thing there. Yeah. So when I went to SC, it was there. But SC, you know, SC picked and choose who they wanted to shoot films. Mm-hmm. at the time. A lot of nepotism. Yeah. So I learned production scheduling. I had uh, George Lear and I had Edward Dimitrik. It functions of a director and then Professor she- uh, Shepard taught us uh, the theory of Chaplin. I love Chaplin films. Mm-hmm. Chaplin shot without a script which was interesting. 
But George Lear was teaching us how to break down scripts. And, and he told me one time, you, you know what? You would get an A-plus in here if you just stayed with the class. I said, what do you mean? Remember I was saying, oh, Jackie's corporate head. And I'm like, bro, you sitting there, we'll break a scene down, say, okay, we need a knife, we need a gun, where we're going to shoot this at, blah, 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 blah. You start asking questions about each one of these, I don't know, just, just move on. Mm-hmm. Then that goes into a Y five O story. I don't know any of your stories. I'm young. Yeah. But I got the concept. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, okay, and I still have that production board that I did. So that's where that helped. And you start seeing everything from, do you need film school? No. You don't need it. If you got talent, you got talent. Because they don't make you go work on a set as a production assistant. Mm-hmm. You know, you guys have like techniques with the acting and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you watch him and see what he was doing. He was on the last white man's uh, set. That was pretty interesting, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. to see him tell him, you got to do this and do that. Uh, they'll, I don't know what you were telling him. You kept running over to the truck when he was at Tams. Yeah. He would run over to the truck, get in there and tell him something, come back out. Yeah. I didn't interfere with that, mm-hmm. you know, but I'm like, okay. Yeah. If you got it, it's just like somebody got to do music. Yeah. It's a natural born town. You yeah. got it, you got it. You don't, yeah. eventually you're going to find out you don't have it. Mm-hmm. Just you know? do it. Yeah. Yeah. And you can look at other filmmakers and catch on to what they're doing. I don't copy their styles, but you can look and see what they're doing. And, and each one you get better with it. Mm-hmm. That's all. Yeah. You know? When did you meet up with Bill Cosby? Oh, that was in 2011. Was it 2011? 2011. Yeah. I was at the waterfront working and sent the script in and I figured... Uh, I I'll win this. I you know I, I, this is decent. Mm-hmm. And it was that Doreen Hamilton called me. I'm driving a truck down there. She said you just got a fellowship to come in here. Oh where? Bill Cosby. Uh, what was that the Marvin Guy Hanks and Marvin Miller screenwriter? Oh, okay, it's in. You can look it up. 2011. So I went down there, and she was sitting in her office and just had me sitting there for about an hour. That's why I got a ticket on my car. <laughs> like, man, is this worth it? Mm-hmm. The office I see in the cinema, stock, uh, in the cinema department, which is all new. And um, that was pretty funny. I told you what she did in there to ever tell you. We went in there and started writing. They broke us up in groups. It was a feature group and television group of writers. And I remember she stood there and she said, she said, one of you guys in here is faking and you're not a writer. And I'm going to find out. She's looking at me. Like the hell is she talking about? So we left that little orientation, went back, and we had our producer, and we had to pitch what script we were going to write. We pitched it to him. And I had this guy named Dwayne uh, Johnson, Dwayne Cochran Johnson. He kept turning down whatever I pitched. He turned down three times. Now, I said, okay, he's cutting into what I'm trying to do. And I just went in there, and I just read a pitch to him. He said, yeah, write that. Mm-hmm. I pitched him an eventful happening at the time. Oh, yeah? He said, write that. I said, okay, this script is already written. I'm just going to tighten it up and give it to him. We had to give him 30 pages uh, every month, 30, 60, 90. Mm-hmm. So I remember one day we were in there, and he would take the scenes, and they would read them. And I told him, hey, man, stop fumbling over my work. Take my work home and read it. Everybody looked at me. I said, take my work home and read it. He looked at huh? He said, take my work home and read it. Don't sit there and read it a month now. I said, uh, uh-uh, you get a better feel for when you take it on. Yeah. And they were like, wow, why'd you tell him that? 
So I told him, I'm not listening to nothing you say. I'm here <laughs> for you to t-. He did, what was this film? Love in Action in Chicago or something like that with Regina King. Oh. It was horrible. Mm-hmm. And he's sitting there telling us, I said, man, I'm not listening to you. I've seen your work. <laughs> now that's just being real. I see, I'm not listening to you. He yeah. said, oh, okay, take my work home and read it. I'm like, you either add to what I'm doing, you're not subtracting from it. Yeah. And he did a silly film with some kid drinking out of a white water fountain. Black kid couldn't drink out this white water fountain. Him and Rusty Cundiff. Rusty Cundiff was in there too. I was shocked. And then Cosby called us. He was in there talking. And I was just like, wow. Fuck these white people. Shoot the films you want to shoot. They don't give a fuck about you. I'm like, wait a minute, this is Cliff Huxton? <laughs> I'm like, wow. Yeah. He's saying all this stuff, and he was talking about this girl, Deborah. She lived in Orange County. I quote what he said. He said, when your titty, your ass and your titties got big, who white people wouldn't let you play with their kids no more, would they? I'm like, is this dude drunk? Y'all hold on, I gotta go pee. I'm like, okay. I didn't even go back the last day. I said, I'm not coming back here, fuck this. Yeah. It was like they were playing more with your mind. And Cosby wouldn't take no scripts from us. Here's the Disney guy coming and saying, hey, we take scripts, we pay our fellows. You're not paying us, you send a percent out. And that was the last time they said that they weren't funded in no more. And Doreen said, don't go out and tell nobody. And then all that stuff came down with Cosby, with those women. And I remember one of the writers called me, he said, hey man, let's go get some coffee. I went to Starbucks in Hollywood. And he said, man, you remember what he Bill told uh, Deborah, yeah, your ass and your titties got big. I quoted. The white people wouldn't play with them. He said, "Man, everybody in there talking about they don't know what happened. They start taking the uh, taking the, the fellowship they won off their resume." I said, "I'm keeping that on there. I won." I said, "I ain't taking that off of there." Yeah. I said, "What he did with those women ain't got nothing to do with me. I won that award." Mm-hmm. So that show you how fake people are. And that cat was sitting there just. And he said, "But everybody talking about they." Remember. I said, "They remember. They they just do. They playing the game. They mm-hmm. remember." Mm-hmm. You know, now, would I take an interview and talk? No, I wouldn't, no. Because he did me a favor, I wouldn't talk about it. Yeah. I wouldn't, oh yeah, no, I wouldn't do that. Yeah. But I seen the side of him, I was just like, wow. Yeah. And I was like, this guy was telling Eddie Murphy not to curse. Right. So you right. get a whole different approach to it. Yeah. And, and, and from this day forth, those people don't, Cosby, they get in there and talk all that black stuff, they don't support me. I don't see one like on there from the last white man. Right. They don't support you. No. Yeah, so when, when my buddy be talking about I said, man, we don't support each other. Okay, I'm not going to get in here and say stuff just to get, 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 on, get on your little bandwagon. If you're good with me, you're good to me, I'm good to you. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what it is. Yeah. Pushing that divide as much as I can. Yeah. yeah. Watchcom didn't take our work. He was established. He didn't take our work. He was a producer. He should have took our work and said, let me push this. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. No, he didn't do that. That's why I ain't listening to you. Then he had the other guy that came in, uh, Charles Murray. He did Things Never Said. He right. did that film. He coming there talking shit. You're just sitting there looking at these guys like, wow. He just came there to see what his competition was. Yeah. Man, you go up in the hood, you know what they're doing. When you get a bunch of us around, you know what's going on. And see, I don't care. I say it. Yeah, it's like, okay, they, they ain't competition. Charles Murray said, you got to take no food off my plate. I said, hey, I eat off a platter, bro. I ain't trying to take no food off your plate. <laughs> you know, they said, we thought you guys were getting along. So we was on Facebook. And he did a little crummy movie, Things Never <laughs> Said. I told him, you, you should have called that Things Never Shot. 
And he got mad as hell. <laughs> and he got hired to work on, oh, man, it was something with the guy that did the butler. And they fired him. He was a showrunner, and they fired him. I said, he don't know nothing. He don't know anything. Right. So it was. You just seen that fear. Shahari took me to lunch and said, they thought your scripts were fake. They thought you had some. That's how I wrote those scripts. Okay? That's why Doreen said what she said. One of you guys in here is faking. I'm going to find out. I'm just like, wow. So I wouldn't go back there and take any pictures with them, none of that. They got my picture in there. You can look it up. I'm up in there. But I'm like, I ain't taking no final pictures with them. They had a, a reunion. I didn't go. Right. I had like a 10-year reunion. Mm -hmm. Bro, you coming? No. Yeah. No, I'm not coming. I'm real. I'm not coming over there with you guys. Mm -hmm. They were waiting for me, too. Right. <laughs> so they throw some ideas at me. <laughs> I'm like, I ain't coming in with you guys. No. Yeah. Uh-uh. Y'all fake. You guys are fake. I'm not messing with y'all. That's what that growing up in the hood teacher did. This dude's cool. Mm -hmm. He's cool. He's like he's like a brother. You treat him like a brother. You know? Mm -hmm. I was out there working. This guy, he made Boston, Jason. Brother, mm -hmm. come up one day and I'm signaling, and this lady was asking me about college. I put my phone out and said, "Here," gave her my phone. That's my son and daughter went to go visit. You go visit the college. You just go to orientation, visit. You meet people, get their numbers, and talk to them. Gave that brother pose up. Put that damn phone away. Now I know that's just like me coming up to you. Right. See you joking, right? Yeah. He said no. He drove off to that. I said, "Okay." It's about. Two weeks later, he came over to that site. He said, hey, man, what's up? I said, fuck you. Don't talk to me. And I said in front of everybody. I said, fuck you. Don't talk to me. He said, dude, you told me to put my phone up. I thought we were cool. I ain't fucking with you. Fuck you. Get out of my face. He's following me. So I went up to this guy named Chris. Chris is a little white guy. Everybody thought he was skinny. Got a goatee. Chris is buff. I walked up to him, I said, you see this guy right here? Everybody say he's a skinhead. That's my buddy. He's not a skinhead. Mm -hmm. Chris just standing like, oh shit. Yeah. I'm like, no, he's real cool. I said, we broke bread together. That's my buddy. I stand up for him. I said, just like you should have stood to me. You shouldn't have said nothing. I wasn't even on the phone. I gave the phone to the woman she was looking at. Yeah. I was just playing. You don't play with me like that. You weren't playing. Mm -hmm. Okay? So I had to tell him. They put you out there to get on people like me. You're a house nigga. I'm telling this in front of everybody. I ain't care. Yeah. I said, that's what you are. That's why you're over here telling on us. Everybody else work with each other. They're okay, these Mexicans work with each other. White boys work with each other. You don't come over here and put, put your phone away. You're a house snake. Master told you to come over here. I said, these people don't give a fuck about you. Mm -hmm. And one day was out there working. The superintendent came up to him and said, go back to work. I said, wow. He went right back to work. Superintendent, not supposed to tell the boss what to do. Well, you know that union stuff down there. Mm -hmm. Guy was begging me. I said, "Nah, dude, don't don't ever do that, because I wouldn't do you like that. I wouldn't put you on blast." Yeah. So it's stuff like that. You don't give him a pass on it. Mm -hmm. That's the stuff you take from the hood. You real, you real. Yeah. But it's just a dude was just fake. Yeah. And that sometimes people can't handle that. Oh, I'm not gonna sit there and bite my tongue. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So people are gonna say it anyway. They ain't gonna say it in front of you. They're gonna say it behind your back. Mm -hmm. And that's what Edward Dimitri taught us from mm -hmm. the Hollywood tens. Yeah. Oh man. I was asking, asking man, you guys look at Beverly Hills Cop? Oh, fuck Beverly Hills Cop. I'm like, <laughs> a little bitty, fuck Beverly Hills Cop. That was asking, I car go, truck go through and tearing up everything in the goddamn city. Where's the fucking cops? I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah. That shit doesn't happen. 
you know, he said, that's not realistic. And that's what he's telling us. He started talking about his movie Crossfire and all the stuff he did. He bring it in and he'd tell us. He said, put realism on the film. Keep it real. Mm-hmm. Little rich kids are getting mad. Right. Yeah, so, you know, I'm like, okay, I, I love that guy. Yeah. Yeah, I talked to him. I listened to him. He said, man, he was telling us, put that shit in the drawer. Pull it out 10 years later and look at it. All that stuff you shoot and put in the drawer 10 years later. You're not ready. Mm-hmm. I didn't argue. I listened to him. I said, it's real. Yeah. So, you know, here's a guy went to Hollywood Tens was getting locked up, you know, mm-hmm. for saying he was communist. He's teaching me. Yeah. I'm like, wow, real cool. Good guy. It was only two brothers in the room. Right. Yeah. So, I mean. It's awesome. Yeah, that was it. So, when did you become a magician with this post-production? I would look at those films and I'm like, let me go back and cut this cut this again and cut that again and then I got what that Filmora bought that software program and they got second unit work that you can put with it and a lot of that stuff is time I never did really like doing trailers but a lot of stuff started it was just timing so like I said once I got away from that waterfront my mind's solid now I can edit and do whatever I want to do. Yeah, but it was a year ago you did Hunting for Women. And you went back it. and recut it. Yeah. I knew that film would work overseas. It wouldn't work here. Well, I know, but you made the film look like we shot it in London. Yeah, I downloaded footage and found it and used it and put it in there, stretched the images, bled the color out of it, and threw it over there to London. I knew they would like it. They have a different approach. People here are too busy trying to be politically correct. Right. So that's what I did. I knew it would win. I knew it when I sent it over there. Not to be cocky, because where did the jazz musician players go? They go to London. They go over there and play in Europe. So it's, it's a whole different outlook. So if you're not saying what somebody wants you to say here, they got a problem with it. Right. Well, Maya Angelou said, fuck it, write the story you want to write. See, I can look at that piece you show me. I'm laughing, because I can relate to it. Mm-hmm. How many people look at this and say, he's whipping him with a belt? Yeah, so all that's child say. abuse. Right? No, it's not. He's getting his ass whipped. Spare the rods for the trial. Yeah. I got my ass whipped all the time. I don't have a police record. Never been in jail. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Don't do drugs. Don't drink. Yeah. Okay. How mm-hmm. many times you been to the union? The union? Yeah. What? You told me one time that you never had to go to the union just, for a problem. No, never. Well, that's what I mean. No. Yeah, because you're talking. You were yeah. just talking never. about laying out what you, what you've done, and I said. You never went to the union, and why is that? Because I did what I was supposed to do. My 22 phone, years, right? 22 years. My phone was blowing up. How did you retire? Mm-hmm. I said, why don't you read? <laughs> I took a dean, but I'll get it back because I'll get a raise. I'll get a raise. I was worried about the contract. Mm-hmm. And, well, what's going on with the contract? I don't want to work here if I get the buyout. When the contract's signed, you'll get everything. You'll get it all the way up to this point. Okay. Well, why am I in here? Mm-hmm. Okay, if I'm in here, you're taking 47% from me, and they're going to take 10% from me in, in a pension? Fuck it, I'm going to retire. Yeah. And I left. And yeah. I can focus more on what I want to do. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So you did Hunting for Women, but then we shot The Last White Man. Mm-hmm. And that won some awards. Mm-hmm. When it was a punish, it wouldn't win anything. Right. Remember? Yeah. Okay, I'm coming, I'm coming back on the freeway right. from Arizona, and it was like, change it into the last white man. God, like, change it to the last white man. I said, okay. That'll draw attention. I said, okay. Change it. Boom. 
And then did you see the book? The guy wrote a book called The Last White Man? No. Oh, yeah. Somebody wrote a book that came out in August. And that other guy was riding our tail. He called his friend The Last White Man, changed it. It was black and white. It was about a skinhead. Oh, yeah. And so a lot of people getting it mixed up. They were going and looking at his film thinking it was ours. Right. Even Eric at Random. He's like, wait a minute. Give me that poster you had in black and white with the American flag. I said, what are you talking about? It don't have Brian on it. I said, no, no, no. I don't know what you're talking about. And then he sent it. I said, I didn't do that. That's not my film. That's a short. And then the guy made it a feature. And he was riding our coattail. He damn sure was. He changed it and made it a feature. So people were getting mixed up seeing his film of ours, but his didn't cost anything. It's a black and white film called The Last White Man. It's actually pretty good. Right. I watched it. You yeah. can't go after him? For no. For no. When you get that, uh, that insurance is pretty interesting. When they tell you there's an admission insurance, mm. that's pretty interesting because they say it's insured a film up to $10 million. Right. And that's when, if anybody tried to sue, it's already paid for and covered. Yeah. I was going to talk to the guy. And just artist to artist, mm -hmm. I would work with him. I would just tell him, that's fucked up what you did. You know what you did, bro. You changed yeah. your name. Yeah. You tell you just co-tell me. Mm -hmm. But it's a good little film. Right. It's a good little film. It's, right. it's not bad. Yeah. No, I give him credit. It's good. I sat and watched the whole thing. You know, mm -hmm. I, would, I wouldn't even hate on him. Yeah. And maybe you should have came up with a different name because I had it first. Mm -hmm. But I get it. You know, people do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's like when I seen this thing, man, make it a feature. And I'm telling that because if you say I got a feature, they're going to look at you faster. Mm -hmm. Now you're going to say, I was thinking about doing this. Now you just mantle it and do it what you want to do. Get, get in the door and talk to them. I'm pretty much in the door now. I found out some things I couldn't, uh, couldn't do. But I can't just put a, a, a raggedy script out now. Mm -hmm. I got to make sure I look over things. Yeah. See what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's what it is. But they love this guy. Mm -hmm. They love him. Yeah. You know. But it was good changing it like that, changing the title. Right. It was good. It's great. You put your two kids through college. Mm -hmm. You and Jackie, mm -hmm. your wife, the great lady. Never mm -hmm. want to discount Jackie. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. And so they both graduated. They're in the working world. You just retired last week, right? Mm -hmm. Two weeks ago. From, last week. I got yeah. my letter. Congrats. Yeah, long yeah. Junior, yeah. doing your time. Didn't get hurt, thank God. Huh? Yeah. Didn't get hurt. Could have been killed out there. So now you got your focus on Film. filming. Filming right. Yeah. I, I want to talk more about you and your post-production work. I always said you make a $5 film look like a million-dollar film. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what drove you to that and drove you to learning that at a, you know, whatever, at a certain age, you're not like a teenager, mm -hmm. and you picked all this stuff up, and it, you did some incredible stuff with these right. films in the post-production, mm -hmm. so, I don't know, man, it's just, I mean, that's why we're talking to artists here, so that's mm -hmm. definitely an artistic mm -hmm. turn you took with this. Mm -hmm. We're making films, we're on the streets of South Central Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. I told you you couldn't mess with it, we didn't need the permits. Right, right. <laughs> What does your mom call that lady that was walking by? Oh, I forget what they call her. Mighty Joe Young. Mighty Joe Young. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Or she died. I don't know. Take her a copy of the film. She yeah. died. That's unfortunate. Yeah. She was very nice. Signed a copy and gave it to the guy at Tam. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so Tam's number what? I don't know what number it was. <laughs> Tam's got some good food, though. I'm going to say this. When these people start talking about the money they spending for these films, they're lying. They're lying. Right. Okay. And if Hollywood is ran by so-called Jews, 
what is the saying on Jews? And I'm, it ain't a racial thing. They said they tight, they don't spend money. Nobody spend no 200 fucking million dollars on a film. That's a lie. They make it look like they spent 200 million. If you go on the back lot, you got all that stuff to go there and shoot. What's exposing them now is digital, all this. Right. Okay? That's what's exposing them. So I sat around, I remember they told us at SC, film will be obsolete in the year 2000. Right. Now, if you read Spike Lee's book, or John Pearson's book, uh, Spike, Mike, Slackers, and Dyke, look how they, was, they had to pay so much money to get those films processed right after they shot. We talked 200, 300,000. Mm -hmm. Okay, that was in the labs. Now, when we did uh, Tinseltown, this guy named Kevin Cesarsi took me in there and he, he was cutting the thing on Avid. That's when Avid came. Right. I'm sitting there watching him every night. So why? He cut the opening for us, which was pretty cool. So I just look at it and I'm like, okay, you can get this footage, get that footage, let me cut it. And you can cut it and clean it up. And it, it, it has sound, uh, audio mixing, everything in there. That's on that little bitty system called Filmora. One to share. It's right. Filmora. And I can cut it in Adobe and bring it out of that and put the whole master in there. I can color grade it, drop different uh, filters over it, color grade it, uh, sweeten audio up. I can do uh, the letterbox and do whatever I want with it. And then I found out that they have the, the second unit working there. So when you see the shots of the city coming down, that's all on there. And that trailer, the heathen trailer. Right. All that stuff is in there. The lady with the sword, all that's in there. I said, wow, they got this in there. Well, these other people had it where they want you paying for it. Mm -hmm. Story blocks, places like that. And I just happened to look on here and they had, they had the footage. I'm like, oh, I don't need these guys. Like I was telling you about the locations. Right. You can go and get these locations where you pay 40 bucks or $39 an hour. Locations like this and, and all that homes, lofts and stuff. Like you're in New York. Right. I bought all my equipment. Right. So I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll do like it. Like uh, ShareSpace, yeah. I think is one of the, yeah. one of the apps. I forget the, the other one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they got everything. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, $39, oh, I can do that. Mm -hmm. I shoot fast anyway. Right. I'm like, yeah, okay. So it's kind of like that, and then I got more time. I can sit there. A lot of stuff I cut it like in one day, and I'll go back and look at it. But I, I can cut it like in that day and go on. The time go too fast for me. I look up, it's 4 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, I got to go to sleep. Right. And I'll get up and sleep a couple hours, get up and look at it again. I'm like, okay, yeah, it's ready. So I'll throw it on Facebook to see what people say. Right. Then you can shorten it up and whatnot, but it's, it's just I got more time to focus on it. You know, that, that's all it is, right? It's, it's, it's when they tell you, oh, it costs this much, you grow up poor, come on. Come on, man. When I was in college in San Bernardino, I said, give me a 10-pound bag of potatoes and, and a can of chili. We'll eat all week. <laughs> make the chili cheese fries and make hash brown, chili hash brown. Come on, man. You can take cornmeal and make cornmeal mush out of it. See, a loaf of bread. You, you get stuff with rice, yeah. butter and sugar and rice. You eat stuff that's stick to your ribs. So yeah, I already know how to do that stuff. Right. So everybody want to put a price on everything. It's not that expensive. I told people that to, to trying to shoot. I said, go buy your camera. You got 500 bucks, go buy your camera off Amazon. Get your little Canon camera. They, they sell the whole kits now. That's where I got my first one from. Right. They sell rigs, everything on there. Mm -hmm. I said, go get a camera. See, what people do, they would ask for this GoFundMe shit. 
and they'll 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 they're like, I'm gonna go use somebody else's money. If I fail, fuck it, I didn't fail. That, that's their money. But if it's your money, you're gonna look at it a little bit different. Right. You know, because that's what they told us. When they tell you go in here and work as a production assistant, you go in here and you start asking, you meet people, you network to find out what's what. You can get these people to help you. Like he's talking about his project. Oh, I helped him with his project. I ain't got no problem with that. You see what I'm saying? I mm-hmm. see he's serious. Okay, that's what it is. See, you're serious. Come on, man. I ain't never took no money from you. Right. Have I? No. 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 Well, like, get out of here, dude. You help me, I help you. Right. You know? And I'm like, if, I, if I'm shooting something for you, I'm getting more experience. If I'm cutting something for him, that's more stuff on my resume. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's how I look at it. Yeah. I always talk about Seth Rogen when he's talking to a class at UCLA. I was there, uh, film class. And he said, um, you know, if you come up to me and ask me for help and I ask you what you've done, you say nothing. I'm not interested Mm -hmm. because everybody has a phone Mm -hmm. and they can make three minute, five minute, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I can see that you're serious about getting it done. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that's that's what about people can get stuff done. Like I said, I've seen his and I'm like, make it a feature. Make it a feature. Put it all together and then look at it. And then you can you can make your decision from there. Mm hmm. You know, but you got this 90-minute piece, How long? however long you want to take it. What do you say? You got 27 minutes? The first episode is 28, but if everything was on there, it'd probably be like hour okay. 20 range, I would guess. You got a feature. Yeah. So you put it together and see what you can do with it. You can send it to people and see what they say. Mm-hmm. And then once you're in there, you can talk to them. Well, I was thinking about doing this, that, and the other. Yeah. And they're like, okay. Yeah. Like, I still say Jen and them should do... A 30-minute piece with that two girls. Right. Still say that. Right. Mm-hmm. And there was no script. Right. They mm-hmm. strictly ad-libbed, and I, I had to cut it and, and, and put it together. And I sent it out to people, and they said, man, it's pretty good. Yeah. Right. So they can do like a 30-minute piece on that. But that's what it is. You you, you, you network and help. Use everybody. Everybody work with it, work together and get what they want to get. That, that, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. That's the way I see it. Yeah. I always tell them, you need a camera, I got a camera. Yeah. You know what I'm do? Charging? Mm-hmm. What kind of bullshit is that? Yeah. You know, like I got two cameras, I got lights. I bought another set of lights the, the, the other day. It just came. I got to open them up and look at it. To light the walls up. Yeah. Oh, you want to color that wall? Just light it green. I made sure we had. I got gels and stuff. Mm-hmm. I got a prison backdrop, like a cell. I said, oh, we can we can go rent this over here, but I still got a backdrop. Yeah. So I mean, it's like that, and it's just sitting there. I'm like, if you need something, shoot it. Yeah. Use your resources that's they, that, and get it done. That's what you do. It's, it's like you don't sit up here. I, I need to raise some Man, I got all that. Come on, let's shoot. What you trying to do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he gets what he want. That's something under my belt. Something on your resume. Yeah. That's all it is. People don't think like that. Mm-hmm. You don't think like that. You know. And, that, and that, that's 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 what you do. If you do that, you're fine. You ever thought of teaching a class? No, not really. I'll teach one. I'll yeah, teach one. You could, for sure. No, I'm I'll just saying. That, but the thing is that the most important part of the class, and this is why I always said since I first met you that I worked with you every mm-hmm. time, is that you're getting it done. Yeah. You were putting two kids through school. Mm-hmm. I mean, we known each other 23 years or something. Yeah. Putting two kids, uh, two kids through school. Ryan came out in three years because yeah. he listened. Right. <laughs> putting them through school, mm-hmm. working at the mm-hmm. docks, mm-hmm. and making films on the weekend. Mm-hmm. I said, I'm in. I'm yeah. in because that's, you know, we didn't really know each other. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's why 
I wanted to be part of it because you were getting it done. Mm-hmm. And I think the class that you could teach is what we call getting it done. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everybody's waiting around Start for things to around. be perfect. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Or, but yeah. you can get a camera, you can get phones, you can get mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. and get it fucking done. There's a guy that came out of U of A, a little brother, D for Darius. He's on YouTube. And he talked, and I'm like, I want to send him a script so bad. I say, hey, man, let's work together. I said, he's a little bit too technical for me. Right. He's one of those film school techies. Mm-hmm. I hate that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just shut up and film. Right. You hear that, and you walk me, you hear all that. And I'm like, ah, shut up. They ain't filmmakers. They're just talking. Right. And he made a film, and he put it out, and he burnt his ass. And I, I'm like, yeah, because it was something about you. You're trying to act in the film. You, you see, you don't have no stories. Nobody care about you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tell a story. And he had it all about what he went through with his mother. Right. And it never got picked up. He can shoot. Yeah. Well, I'd love to give him a script and say, hey, man, be my cameraman. Right. Yeah, he went through something. He had some type of breakout. I think it's stress. But, you know, it's just like when I got my kids to school. I took this Spanish class at SC. They said, this is the first class that we speak in English to you. And these white kids in there. I was the only brother in there. But this kid was uh, was in a military suit. They all spoke three different languages. I said, how many languages do you speak? Three? I mean, you speak speak in Spanish fully? Three? You? Three? You? Three? I said, damn. He said, man, we went to private school. So what are you talking about? He said, well, you think we up there? No, 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 no. I'm asking you, what are you talking about? He said, we went to private school. You ever have kids? Put them in private school. This is 1988. I said, okay, what's the point? He said, they keep them two to three grades, they had their original grade. I said, are you serious? He said, we all went to private school. He said, you ever had kids put them in private school? And I never forgot that. And what did I do with Megan and Ryan? I put them in private school. Yeah. Had to pay money, you know, especially when Ryan went to Bishop Montgomery. Right. Oh my God, that's like Little West Point. Yeah. But when those kids graduate, oh, they, they, they didn't play there. Mm-hmm. You late, you got detention. Yeah. First day, you late, you got detention. You got two weeks to do it. You pick when you don't do it. Yeah. Public school is just jumping through hoops and yeah. churning out workers. Yeah. And then there was another guy I was working for Shoreway. He said, I went to private school. They took us out, went to Santa Monica. As soon as my mother dropped us off, we left. This dude was so damn smart. It was like my boss on the weekend. He said, I said, man, why are you not here during the week? He talked, Rob, I work 24 hours Saturday and Sunday, and I play golf the rest of the five days. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. I do 48 hours on Saturday and Sunday. I'm coming in and work. Work two days out. I said, wow. He's going to be a professional golf player. And he told me, he said, Megan, he said, put her in private school. You can't lose. So that's what happened. And then those kids walked through those universities. Mm-hmm. Walked through them. Ryan came out in three. When I first we picked him up, I said, how many, how'd you do? You know, I got 32 units. I said, are you taking 16? Yeah, well, I remember I used to take 17. Right. And he said, yeah. I said, oh, you coming out there. And then... December last year, he came out. So that's why I had that talk with him about it. I said, hey man, you're gonna deal with people. They might be insecure that you came out in three years. You're gonna deal with that. You know, your brother, you're gonna deal with that. They're gonna go check. They're not gonna believe it. They go, well, let me go check. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Then they're gonna try to figure out how they can angle you or how they can deal with you. Get ready, it's coming. Mm-hmm. I said, but don't get discouraged over that and do what you, I said, knowledge is power, man. It's also pain, but don't, don't, don't let nobody uh, pretty much get you down. Yeah. You do what you got to do. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, you know what that 444 stands for? 
Oh, it's um Is Jay Z's album. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. And he yeah, said it was it was uh. Well, no, it's the time my mother died. I'm gonna take the shirt and wash and give it to you. Yeah, I'm serious, man. I'm gonna give it to you, brother. My mother died, but it, it, I did it, not it, know. I was hoping you would know. No, I thought it was Jay-Z's album, but I thought the way you were like saying it. Man, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to watch and give it to you. You can have it because it's sentimental. 15, 2008, that was the time my mother died. What are you working on now? Oh, a film called Heathens. About an angel come, it's a serial killing angel to come to these churches and kill up these people. So you have these detectives investigating the murder. And this one kid, see him kill up these people. In one church, I mean, he's going there cutting them up. When they when they come out, they're all massacred. Yeah. And I try to not make it preachy, mm-hmm. which is not, but it have biblical texts in it. Yeah, you know, these detectives have to investigate it and and find out what happened. So the one detective is an ex practicing priest, and the other one's an atheist. Okay. So of course, when they interrogate this guy, he pretty much disappeared from. They have problems with him up in there. But this guy have swords coming out. I want the swords to be blue. Jeffrey said, why you want the swords blue? I said, I want the swords blue and I want them different. I don't want to say, it's kind of like a seven and a Constantine. Okay. You can probably throw Bat- the Batman up in there. Yeah. I'm rewriting the script and I got uh, probably about 10 more pages. I'm going to send it to you. Give me a number and stuff. I'll give you a copy of it. Yeah. I've got it. And, uh, it I'm going to give this man a copy too. I don't know, you do special sets. <laughs> he does everything. So, well, cool, man. Yeah, appreciate Rob Tyler, it, man. Appreciate pleasure, it, man. Thank you, man. My pleasure. Appreciate That's it, bro. Awesome. For real. Appreciate it. No, I'm gonna see you anyway. Uh, yeah, well, we're riding home together. Man. Yeah. No, the wheels gonna... fall off. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, anything you want a, a website or a social media or anything you want? Oh, I, I just got. I put Rob Tyler Film Freeway. I'm on there. Okay. And then Facebook. Well, Facebook. The I last think I'm white man is available to purchase. Yeah, on uh, Amazon, it's on Tubi, it's on Voodoo. Uh, where else? It's all over the place. Target, Walmart, Apple TV, ITV, whatever. Uh, it's all over. You can Google it. And if you want to take Rob Tyler's class, get it done. <laughs> get it done. Coming so, soon. We're going to figure that out. That's going to be coming soon. You'll put me in this school and let me do it? I said, yeah. You never know. All right, Rob. Thanks so much. Thanks, man.